Amen. Good morning, everyone. It is great to see all of you. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome Smyrna Campus. We love you guys. Glad you're connected with us today at Smyrna and everybody connecting online. Welcome. We're so glad you have connected online with us. We are in the middle of a series called Love Reigns, Living in the Hope of Easter. We began the series on Easter Sunday where we looked at how the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that he is who he claimed to be and that he alone deserves to be king. There can only be one king and he's proven his power over sin and death and therefore he's worthy to be that one king for our lives. Last week we looked at how his blood that he spilled on the cross was that payment in full for our sin so that our past does not control us anymore if we're covered by the blood of Jesus. We are freed from the sin and the guilt of our past and, and how that blood is powerfully at work always for us if we come to him in repentance and confession. Uh, his mercies are new every day. So our past mistakes, our past failures can be forgiven. They don't have to control us. And today we're going to be looking at how God's love reigns over our present over the life that we're living right now. Now, if you've missed any of these, they're all on our YouTube channel. You could go there. If you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and do that. When you go to that page, hit that subscribe button. You can also get notifications uh, and reminders when videos are being posted there. So we hope you will do that. Love reigns over our present. How many of you remember the game Simon Says? Remember that game? Smarter Campus, you guys remember that? Everybody online? I want to play a little Simon Says with you, okay? I really want you to participate. Smarter Campus, we don't want you to do it. Everybody online, you could do it sitting down. It won't matter standing up. We're going to play Simon Says for just a minute. I'll make it easy things that you could do right where you're sitting, okay? Now, if you don't remember, Simon Says is the game where if I say Simon Says and tell you to do something, you do it. And, and if I don't say Simon Says, you don't do it. That's how it works, right? So you have to listen for Simon Says. So I'm going to start with some easy ones, okay? Really easy things to do. Simon Says, look up and down. Simon Says, stop. You guys are good, right? I don't know how the Smyrna campus did. I hope you did good. Everybody online. Let's, let's do another one, okay? Simon Says, stop your feet. They're stopping them here at Antioch. You stopping them at Smyrna at home? Simon says, stop. Very good. Very good. Simon says, look to your left and then to your right. Some of you started the wrong direction, but it's okay. <laughs> Simon says, stop. You see, you saw which direction I went and you followed me. That's okay. Simon says, clap your hands. Okay, you get it. You can stop now. Ah, uh, some of you stopped. I saw you. Simon didn't say stop. Simon says stop. Very good. Some of you missed it. You went ahead and stopped, even though I didn't say Simon says. That's how the game works. The idea of the game is you're listening for directions, but you're still a free will agent, right? You can still choose whether to follow the instructions or not. And you can choose to ignore when I say stop, if I don't say Simon says, or you can choose to stop. It doesn't matter. You are really the one in control of those decisions. And if God's love reigns in our lives in the present, what has to happen is, is we have to change our mindset 
from thinking we're totally free will beings to make all those choices, no matter what God says. If God's love reigns, it means we listen to what he says, knowing that he's telling us these things out of his love for us. And we don't need to override him with our free will if we want God's love to reign in our lives. We need to allow him to have that authority, that control over our lives. So as we live day to day, we're making decisions all day long, aren't we? I mean, even without thinking about it, we're making decisions. You're making decisions when you get up on what you're going to do next. You're making decisions even on what time you're going to get up before you go to bed that night, probably. You're all these decisions all day long. And the question is, whose voice are you listening to to make those decisions? If God's love reigns in your life today, in the present, then it's his voice that you're listening to. It's his voice that's giving you direction that you're willing to follow and come under. So today I want to look at three things about what it means for God's love to reign in our present. Uh, Really allow him to reign in the decisions of our lives right now. The first thing is this. My choices reveal who reigns in my life. My choices reveal who reigns in my life. Now I can say God reigns all day long. But my choices will reveal whether or not God really reigns or not. Just look over the past choices you've made just this week, okay? Just think of some of the decisions you had to make. And so the question we have to ask is how many of those decisions this past week would clearly indicate that God's love is reigning in our lives? But are there some that clearly indicate that God's love is not reigning in our lives? Some of the choices... Some of the decisions we've made may go directly against what God's message is to us. And if they go against what God says about it, then God's love is not reigning in that area of our lives. It's not. No matter what we say, our choices reveal who's really reigning or what's really reigning in our lives. Are there some choices that say you're still reigning in that area? You're still the one making those choices for yourself. Or there are some choices that say, I'm letting the world tell me what to do. I'm letting the culture tell me what's right or what's wrong in those areas. Your choices reveal who's reigning in your life. And and so we need to examine and, and pay closer attention to those choices. Now, the Apostle Paul has a lot to say about this in the letters that he wrote in the New Testament. Uh, I want to look at one today. It's found in Romans 12. Many years ago, I made this my life verse. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It became my life verse, not just as a pastor, but as, as a Christ follower. For all areas of my life, this became my life verse. So I want to start with just verse 1 of Romans 12. Let's look at it together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I have spent years as a pastor trying to undo something that the church did, I think, over the years that was wrong. We made worship all about making sure you're in church services on Sunday morning. That's your worship. 
And the truth is that is part of your worship. Uh, that's a good thing. The Bible says not to forsake the assembling together with others who believe and follow Jesus. That's part of your worship. But does that verse sound like that's all there is to our worship? No. He says, present your whole lives, your bodies, everything about you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, I've talked about this before. How often are you in your body? We talk about out-of-body experiences, but, but really, how often are you in your body? So if you're presenting your body as an act of worship, when does worship take place? Always. You see, it's a rethinking. It's a new mindset. Everything is to be given to God as worship. Everything. Your job, your parenting, if you're a parent, grandparent, friend. If you are a boss or an employee of a boss, if you are a student in school, right? if you are an athlete playing a game, all of that, husband, wife, all of that is to be given to God as what? Worship. And, and so the choices we make, not just to go to church on Sunday, but the choices we're making all the time reveal whether or not God reigns, his love reigns in our lives. Do they reflect God's teaching, God's preferences, God's instructions, God's love for us with the choices that we're making? Now, in order to understand everything that Paul is saying here about why this is important and why we should do it, you have to go back to that first word. We, we talked about this last week. The first word is what? Therefore. And when therefore appears in Scripture, what do you do? You see what it's there for. That's what you do. That's the next step you need to take. So he says, therefore, you guys are good students, by the way. I love it. Therefore, and he adds this next phrase, in view of what? God's mercy. He's saying everything else that comes after this has to be seen and understood through the lens of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy toward you, this then is how you respond. This is how you act. This is how you live in view of God's mercy. I got news for you. God has been so merciful to me. And I believe he has for you too. To every one of us. That's what we've been talking about in this whole series, right? That's what God's love is all about. Jesus going to that cross. Jesus bleeding and dying there. Jesus conquering sin and death. Taking our place. Taking our sin upon himself. Becoming sin for us. That is God's mercy to every one of us. And it doesn't stop there. I mean, every day God allows us to live and gives us the blessings that we enjoy. That's all God's mercy. Because he doesn't have to allow us any of that. He doesn't have to give us any. He doesn't owe us anything at all. Well, actually, he does. Apart from Christ, he owes us punishment for our sin. But in view of his mercy, that instead of doing that, he let Jesus take our place. In view of God's mercy, then this is the response 
You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us go around grumbling and complaining all the time? How many of us go around being critical and negative all the time? Or from time to time we let Satan get a hold of us and Satan uses us to, to, to be critical and complaining, right? He, he gets us to go that direction. In view of God's mercy, does that make any sense at all? In view of how merciful he's been to us, does that make any sense at all? You see, if you look at life through the lens of God's mercy, it changes how we see everything. It changes the choices that we make in every area of our lives. He's offered us a fresh start uh, through repentance to, because of his mercy. No matter what failure, no matter what, what thing we've done or come short of or not done that we should have done, because of his mercy, those things can be forgiven and we can still be restored and renewed in a right relationship with him. In view of God's mercy, then we should offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. That is our spiritual act of worship. I think we get a glimpse of the meaning of all of this in Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, beginning with verse 16, it says this about God. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. You see, the reason he says that in Psalms is this. They, they had started thinking that it didn't matter how they were living as long as they did the animal sacrifices God asked them to do. They were involved in all kinds of rebellion and sin against God. But they thought, well, as long as we bring that lamb and, and sacrifice it on the altar, as long as the high priest offers that sacrifice on our behalf, everything's good with God. What this verse is telling us is it wasn't even really about the animal. It was about the heart of the one offering the animal. That determined whether or not it was acceptable or pleasing to God. Is there a true appreciation for God's mercy? Is there a true willingness to honor God with our lives? To make decisions that are pleasing to God instead of the ones we, we might make selfishly on our own? In view of God's mercy, are we offering to him a living sacrifice, ourselves as that living sacrifice? I've talked about it before. I heard this a long time ago. I really love this saying. The problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar. The dead ones can't do that. But a living sacrifice can choose to be on the altar or come off the altar. And I know all of us from time to time, we're on that altar and we're ready to do whatever God wants us to do. We just love God and, and, and we'll make whatever sacrifice God wants us to make. But sometimes something will come up and we'll say, but, but, but temporarily I'm going to get down and I'm going to go do this now. I'm going to make this choice instead. Even though I know it's not what you teach, even though I know that's not what your word says clearly to me, I, I'm going to go over here. Then I'll get back on that altar when I'm you know, done with that, when, when that's not the choice I have to make anymore. I'll get back up on the altar again. That's what living sacrifices have a tendency to do. The hardest thing for a living sacrifice is to get on the altar and stay there. But that's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's exactly the choice he made on the cross. 
You remember last week we talked about this. The, the, the people who walked by the cross looked up at him and said, if you are the son of God, come down off of that cross. You see, he had the freedom to come down off the cross. He had the power to come down off the cross. He had the power to, to crawl off the altar. If that's what he wanted to do. But he made the choice to be a living sacrifice that stayed on the altar for us. In view of God's mercy, present yourself as that kind of living sacrifice to God. In view of God's mercy, take up your cross daily and follow him. It's a daily choice that has to be made. But the choice he's calling on us to make is to allow him to reign, his love to reign in our lives in such a way that in response to that, in, review, in response to his mercy, in view of God's mercy, we offer ourselves as that living sacrifice. So obviously we start with that. It's, it's something that we've got to understand. Our choices really reveal who reigns. So if our choices aren't lining up with what God says, if our choices right now in our present life, where we are right now, aren't in line with God's word, God's teaching, God's calling on us if they're not lining up well then we've got to crawl back on the altar again we've got to change the choices that we're making and if he reigns in the present it means when do we start that in the present we start it now we don't say well after i get this worked out and after you know i make these arrangements no if if you're going to be a sacrifice in the present it starts now in view of God's mercy, let him reign starting now. Well, the second thing I want us to see is this. Uh, in this passage, he teaches in the next verse that changing your patterns will change your life. Changing the patterns of your life changes your life. Look at uh, verse 2. Let's go back to verse 1 and then lead into verse 2. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It's your true and proper worship. He says in verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's two action steps. The first one is what not to do. And in the original language, it's in a tense that means do not keep on conforming to the pattern of this world it doesn't mean we haven't been doing this we have is what he's saying we've been conforming to the pattern of the world so he says don't keep on conforming to the pattern of this world but instead of doing that the next action step is allow yourself to be transformed how by the renewing of your mind the human body is an amazing creation of god and one of the most amazing parts of the human body is the brain, the mind. The body doesn't do anything that doesn't start where? In the mind. The mind controls the actions. So if right now we are making decisions and taking actions that are outside God's love for us and God's will for us and God's teachings for us, his love is not reigning in those areas of our lives. So in order for that to change, what has to change? Our mind, our thinking about those things. 
That's why he says, in view of God's mercy. So we need to start looking at those things through the lens of God's mercy for us. God's love for us. And if we understand God's love for us, God's mercy toward us, then it will change how we think about whether or not we should listen to what he's telling us or not. I heard a saying uh, recently I really liked. Uh, it's probably been around a long, long time. It says, don't take criticism from anybody you wouldn't take advice from. I like that. Don't take criticism from anybody you wouldn't take advice from. But I want to go a little deeper with that. L listen, why would you listen to anybody's advice at all? Here's what it boils down for me on why I would listen to somebody's advice. Do I believe they know what they're talking about? But secondly, do I believe they care about me? I want both those things to be in place. If I'm going to listen to their advice, do they want what's best for me? And are they in a position to have the information to give me good advice? Do they know enough about that to give me good advice? But do they care about me? Because even if they know enough to give me advice, if they don't care about me, what might they do? Give me bad advice. Right. But here's what we know about God in view of God's what? Mercy. What do we know about God? We know how wise he is. I mean, just look at the scriptures. Look at his teachings. When Jesus was on the earth, the people were amazed at his teaching. They said, nobody ever taught like this man teaches. It's different. It's, it's on a different level than any other teacher we've ever heard or ever seen. The Bible says his wisdom is, is far above any other. So if, if he's smart enough, if he has the information, if he has the wisdom, why else should we listen to him? Because we know he loves us. We know he only wants what's best for us. How do we know that? Because he's proven it, right? He has shown it in, in real action and in real decisions that he made for us. He's proven beyond any shadow of a doubt that he wants what's best for us. That's what kept him on the cross. That's why he wasn't a living sacrifice that crawled off the altar. It wasn't because that's what was best for him. It's because it was best for who? For us. You know why I listen to God? I think he's a lot smarter than me. Well, that's a given, right? But more than that, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my God wants what's best for me. And there's a lot of other places I could go to for advice and guidance and counsel. And none of them have done for me what God has done for me. None of them. So I value what he says about those things way more than I value what anybody else says about those things that I need to make decisions about. Parenting is one of the hardest jobs in the world, isn't it? I mean, those of you that have got kids, what a responsibility. What, what, what an awesome challenge to try to guide and direct and teach those young lives, help them to grow up to be what God created them to be. Here's the thing about parenting. 
that, that you just wish you could get kids to understand while they're still kids. They understand it later, but, but, but while they're still kids, wouldn't it be great if they understood that you're telling them what you're telling them because you what? You love them. At least that's what a good parent's doing, right? There's some not so good parents out there. But the good parents, they're telling those kids no sometimes and yes sometimes because they love them so much. They only want what's best for them. Now, as an adult now, I can look back and appreciate that my parents did that for me as best they could. They weren't always exactly right. They didn't always get it right. But, but they were trying to, to guide me because they loved me and wanted only what was best for me. And I know that about my parents. If I had grasped that sooner, it would have saved me a lot of bad decisions in my life. I think all of us could probably say that, right? When we decided to be free agents and go out on our own and make our own choices. It's like the teenager that comes to his parents and says, I don't want to live under your house anymore. Your rules. I'm leaving home. I'm going to join the Marines so I can make my own decisions. <laughs> you just don't get it yet, do you? Right? You don't get it yet. The sooner we learn that everything God teaches in his word is there in view of God's mercy and love for us. His desire for us to only have the best that he created us to have. The sooner we can grasp that, the sooner we can start making better decisions for our lives that will affect our lives right now and bless our lives right now. But we have to come to that place to know that changing our patterns will change our lives. Here's what happens. If we change our pattern to deciding once in a while we'll listen to God, sometimes we'll listen to other things. If we change that pattern to, all right, the pattern now is going to be, if I have a decision to make, if I have a choice to make, the first place I'm going to is God. And I'm going to pray about it and I'm going to read scripture and I'm going to seek his guidance and the leading of his spirit and let that lead my decision. If we would start that pattern today, it would change our lives lives radically for the better if we would do that consistently because he's only telling us what he tells us so that we can have the best of what life was created to be so the sooner we can grasp this the better because when you change your patterns it changes your life your life to this point right now leading you to where you are wherever you are right now in your life your life is made up to a great deal by the choices that you've made up till now and some of those have probably been some really good choices, but some of them have probably been some not so good choices. And if we go back and look at them individually and we're honest about it, we can say that those bad choices didn't line up with God's will and God's word. And that's why we suffered the consequences or are now suffering the consequences or others are suffering the consequences of those bad choices. God loves us too much to let us keep going down the wrong path. And so he wants to change the pattern. So here's what has to happen. It's a transformation that starts where? In the mind. If the pattern's going to change, then our mindset has to change. And our mindset has to become, stop thinking you're so smart. Stop thinking you know all the answers. I love what, what Paul said about this in Philippians 3, beginning with verse 12. He says about becoming more like Jesus all the time. He, sa he says this in verse 12. 
Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The reason I brought that example out is this. Paul is a mature Christian leader at the point where he writes this letter. He writes these words. And what does he say he still has to keep doing every day? What's his mindset? Leave the past in the past and now do what? Keep pressing on toward the goal of the high calling of Christ in his life. It's an ongoing process for your whole life. It's a mindset change on how you live in the present. How are you going to live this day? Because you do have free will. I do believe the scripture clearly teaches we get to make this choice for ourselves. God's not forcing himself on you or on me. He's not forcing his teachings on anybody. We're free will beings to choose if we're going to respond to his teachings and be obedient to his teachings. But the mindset, the transformation of the mind is what will cause us to start making different decisions and when we make this different decisions, different patterns of life are formed. And when different patterns are formed, different outcomes are the result. When you follow different patterns, you get different outcomes. Uh, a lot of people don't sew anymore, but how many of you sew or have, uh, were into sewing or your mom or dad or somebody in your family sewed, right? And, and, and for years, in fact, my mother-in-law right now in her closet, she's still got stacks of patterns, Right? We've tried to clear them out for years. She's given some away. There's still a bunch more. If any of you need some patterns, I got a source, okay? I can hook you up. She's got a bunch of patterns. But here's what a pattern does. If you follow the pattern, you get the outcome that it says you're going to get. If you follow the steps, you follow the pattern, right? But if you go free agent and just start doing it your way, you may end up with something you like. You may end something up with something you don't like. But the fact is, it won't be what the pattern said it was going to be. It won't lead you to the place it said it was going to take you. The same thing is true. The teachings of God are the pattern that he wants us to follow. And if you follow the pattern, you listen to the instructions, it leads to where God wants you to be, to the result, to the outcome that God wants you to have. Now that sounds restrictive, except that you have to understand in view of God's mercy, that's a good thing. He's not just trying to restrict you from, from fun stuff and from things that, that you would really enjoy. That's not the reason for the pattern. The reason for the pattern is, is it takes you not just to something good, but to something that's best. To the thing that God designed you to be. To the person God designed you to be. To the life God designed you to have. And when you know how much he loves you, you know you can trust that that's going to be good for you. That's going to be a good thing for you to follow that pattern. And I've had to learn that over and over again. All of us do, but we need to grasp it and then have that changed mindset, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the more we learn God's word, the more we learn his teaching and that we can trust it. And the more we put it into practice, the more our minds will change because we'll see how it works. We'll see that it blesses. We'll see that it blesses us, and through us, others are blessed when we follow God's pattern for our lives. That leads to the last thing we have to do. And these are all connected. If we want God's love to reign in our present, then we've got to exchange your will for God's will. You've got to exchange your will for God's will. 
That's the hardest part of this, is this exchange that has to take place. The ultimate outcome of a sacrificial life and a renewed mind is the ability to distinguish between the will of God in your present life and your will in your present life. I can't tell you how many people have come to me as a pastor and said, I want your counsel, I want your guidance, I want your advice on this. And we've sat and we've talked and I've even shown them in scripture, here's what God's word says about this. And many times they leave mad at me because they didn't really come in there wanting to hear that. What did they really want to hear? They wanted me to say that what they already wanted to do was the right thing. That's what they want to hear. That's what they were print. And, and believe me, if I don't tell them it is, unless they're humble enough to trust the wisdom of God, then they'll just go find somebody who will tell them it's a good thing and the right thing. That's one reason people move around different churches a lot. They find somebody, the Bible talks about it, that will tickle their ears, right? Tell them what they want to hear, the way they want to hear it. And it's not that a pastor is always right, but if he is sharing scripture, if he is showing you, here's what God's word actually says about that, and God's love reigns in your life, in your present, then what has to happen is our mind, our thinking about that thing needs to change, not try to change the scriptures, not try to change the teaching, not try to find another church or teacher or friend who will tell us what we want to hear. If God's love reigns, that means his teaching reigns because his teaching comes from his love for us. That's why he's taught us these things. We have to, to trade in the time and the energy we give to trying to do our own thing to surrendering that over to God's will. We've got to make that exchange and let God's will rule and reign. In Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord. That's really what it comes down to. If God's love is going to reign in the present decisions of our lives, we have to get to that place in our minds and in our hearts where we truly believe we can trust God. We can trust what he's telling us to be true. We can trust that not only is it true, but it's best. Not only is it best, but it's, it's being told to us because God only wants your best, the best that you could have for you. That's his desire. That's his will. That's his plan for you and for me. So we have to decide if we're going to, as an act of worship, put ourselves on this altar to him, for him. Do we trust him enough to get up there and stay there? Do we trust him enough to live that way daily, to make our decisions that way day in and day out? Do we trust God enough to know that even if it doesn't make sense to us, even if, even if everybody else is doing it differently. Like, remember your parents saying this? If everybody else dropped off a cliff, would you? Right? You remember that? I swore I'd never say that, but those words came out of I heard my mama come out of my mouth more than once, right? 
Even if everybody else is doing it differently, saying it differently, teaching it differently, if you know in your heart, here's what God says about this thing, it comes down to who you trust. Do you believe you can trust God and what he's telling you? Or do you trust people more, the culture more, your own fleshly desires more? What do you trust more? Who do you trust more in your life? The more I get to know God, the more I know I can trust him. That's why I want to challenge you to get to know him better. Spend more time in his word. Spend more time in prayer. Spend more time in worship, uh, including the assembly, but also in worship on a daily basis before God, giving yourself to him. The more time you spend with him, the better you get to know him the more you'll become convinced you can trust him completely. I also learn something else when I do that. I cannot trust myself and my feelings. People say all the time, just follow your heart. And that's some of the worst advice you could possibly get. The scripture says the heart is exceedingly deceptive. Because it's talking about the emotions. The emotions go back and forth and up and down depending on the circumstances. If you just follow your heart, it will lead you to terrible decisions. You can't trust that to be accurate all the time. But you can trust God. You can trust his word. You can trust his teachings. Now, here's what happens with the heart. As you learn more of God and get to know God better and you put more of his word into your heart, then your heart begins to lead you in a better way. But until you get to that place, you can't trust your heart at all. Let's look at the last part of this, Romans 12 and verse 2. He's, he's told us to, you know, present our bodies as a loving sacrifice in view of God's mercy. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what he says will happen then. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And listen to how he describes God's will for you. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's what you have to get to. That's the place you have to get to where you know you can trust that God's will is good for you. It's going to be pleasing when you do it. It's going to be the perfect choice for your life. So if we transform our minds into understanding and accepting that God's will is good and pleasing and perfect, then it will change our decision-making patterns in our lives. And if we change the pattern, it changes the outcome, and it takes us where God wants us to be. And God wants us to be where his good, pleasing, and perfect will will take us every time. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that in Christ we can be transformed. We can be made over into his image when we allow our minds to be transformed and renewed by your teaching, by your love, by your desire for us to follow in the ways that you would want us to go. Father, I pray that every one of us hearing this message today would 
commit ourselves new to letting your love reign in our present day lives and the decisions and the choice that we're going to make today and tomorrow and the next day, that, that your love will rule and reign in those decisions, Father, because we know because of the cross, in view of your mercy, we can trust you, Father, to want only what's best for us. I pray that if there's anyone who needs to surrender themselves and give themselves over to you today, starting this moment as a living sacrifice, that they would take that step today. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.